0: Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turban, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I am Jay Warmke.
1: And I'm
0: currently Annie Warmke. Okay, we'll see you about tomorrow. And today we're going to talk about working remotely and still making a living or how can I walk the walk and still pay the rent. And our expert on this is our very first intern here. Um, at Blue Rock Station, yeah, Blue Rock Station. You yeah, have the premier intern, Elise Parishon. <laughs> and how you doing there, Elise?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Hi, Andy. Well, thank MJ. you. You're I, always welcome. We have welcome. to talk about the weather,
1: though, because we're both farmers at heart. So, Elise, how's the weather in New York?
2: <laughs> oh, it's gorgeous. It's 50 degrees and sunny today. How about well, just by you? It's the snow <laughs> is coming.
0: Okay, so Elise, uh, I know one of the issues that you were dealing with and I think everybody to a certain extent deals with, is, I mean, I, I know you graduated with a focus on sustainable, sustainability, en- environmental, environmental, science. environmental science, all of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you get out there into mm-hmm. the world and you say, okay, well, how can I live a, a life, but still do these things that, that I hold dear to my heart. And, and why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience getting started in environmental science, and was that everything you thought it was cracked up to be?
2: <laughs> um, well, I've just always loved to be out in nature and, you know, care about animals and other people and the world around me, and I, I'm also really love beautiful things and maintaining the beauty around me. So I think that's what why I really felt at home um, in an environmental studies program at Oberlin. And you know, after I graduated I found an environmental consulting job which was fun and very science heavy. And I worked in a cubicle and I sometimes got to go out into the field Um, and that was a really great experience, but after that, I decided I wanted to work more closely with people and sort of take a more holistic approach to what I was doing. Um, and then I've just always sort of incorporated sustainability into my, my everyday living at home. I'd say that's, that's how I do it. So Elise, I'm just
1: wondering, uh, I know that, um, you've just uh, co-written a book and, um, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that today, uh, but I was I was wondering when you went to college or you were getting ready to go, did you feel like you had a lot of support from family and friends and uh, financial support, emotional support? Did, is that something that that worked well? Yeah, for
2: you? I think I have always felt supported. I think you know, money was a question and. My parents said, "Well, you really want to go to Oberlin, so let's just get you started there. And you know, if you have to, if you have to transfer and go somewhere else at some point, then we'll get there when we get there. So it was sort of like you know, keep moving towards your dreams, you know, as long as as long as we can. I really appreciated that. And so you you were able to you were able to make that happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, eventually. I was able to actually. Uh, graduate in three years, so I didn't have to pay for four years of tuition, and that was, that was really a good thing I think for me in terms of being able to pay off my loans, you know, as quickly as I did. Well, everybody would like to finish in three years or two. I know I wanted to finish
0: like really? almost
1: after I got started. So,
0: well, I think at least one of the things I was interested in because we get a lot of folks here who talk about wanting to leave the, you know, so-called rat race and, and live out in the country, live in a sustainable way. But one of the big issues is, of course, how do you make a living when you're trying to live that lifestyle? And, and I think you've managed to transition that pretty well. So so what were some of the challenges, you know, of trying to work from home after after you left the science thing and and trying to actually... You know, not be totally <laughs> impoverished just because you're chasing your dream.
2: Oh, goodness. Well.
0: Oh, did you succeed in not being totally <laughs> impoverished, I guess? I, I
2: think I say. got through that period, which is good. Um, so after I paid off my loans, I felt like I had a lot more freedom to do what I wanted to do. So I was able to change jobs and take a pay cut. And so I think, you know, not being in debt really does feel like freedom um to a lot of people and it is so then uh my partner and i were able to do some traveling and i didn't start working from home um or like i didn't start working for myself i'd say until i moved to ithaca and i decided i was going to start you know cleaning houses so that was my first taste of being able to make money and not working for a company. And so since then, it's been sort of easy to just say, well, these are my strengths. This is what I'm good at. And I like to offer to help other people. And they've been able to pay me for my help. So I've been able to do lots of different sort of freelance um, roles. And so I found that I'm a really great editor and sort of like business administrator. And also, I'm finally deciding that I can make money being a garden designer. So that's where I am currently. So, so how, did you, how did you figure out uh, helping?
1: I know your book is about helping, um, supporting people. Well, maybe you say the title because I don't have it. Yeah, it's
2: The Family it. Guide to Medical School
1: Admissions. Yeah. That, how did you get to that from being an environmental scientist?
2: Oh, wow. That's a good question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we should ask you, how did you get from being an environmental scientist to a house cleaner to an editor to a garden designer to writing a book about how to get into medical school? Because that is sort of the typical career path of anyone graduating from Oakland, <laughs> I should think.
1: Yeah, but well, this is at least we're talking. To. I know, I know. At least is the at <laughs> least could do all that more.
0: Uh-huh. So. Okay, so so but but we'll focus on the uh, the book thing first right now cuz it's right that's thing it is. And right now.
2: how I got here is I've I guess I followed the people that I wanted to work with. So that's how I got into all of the different things that I've done since graduating. Um Most recently, about five years ago, I started working with my friend Janet Snoyer, and she is a private pre-med advisor in Ithaca. And she's the Yes, she is the author of the book, book, and I helped her write the book, The Family Guide to Medical School Admissions. And so she was an institutional pre-med advisor at Cornell, and she knew from her experience that parents there's not a lot of room for parents in the process of applying a lot of sort of the advisors and the different people involved at the institutions. They don't really have time to, um, to let parents sort of help the, help their applicants out. They want the applicants to be very independent, but Janet saw that, you know, the family is so important to supporting the applicants and helping them really understand who they are and why they're why they're choosing this path. So that's why we wanted to write the book for families. And I think the thing I'm
1: amazed about is that today to get into college where if you want to get in the college you want to get into, that you better be uh, have a degree in marketing. Um, because you've got mm-hmm. to market yourself as that student being some kind of asset to exactly. that institution. Yep. And who it doesn't seem like a good way to live life. <laughs> well it's really Marketing. No, I don't, I mean, marketing yourself, like constantly, I guess that's what we do as a culture. You know, everybody's selling something, but um, it just, it just strikes me as, wouldn't it be great to just go to college because you want to go to college?
0: (laughs) Welcome, welcome (laughs) to this world, Annie. (laughs) So, well, one thing that you raised there, which sounds to me like it's a place of potential conflict in this, in this process, is I would think that People who are trying to get into medical school, especially you know young young adults, basically um, high achieving families, and I have this vision of the helicopter mm-hmm. parents, you know, being pushing and wanting to be involved, but the administration saying we don't want you to be involved, and does that set up a lot of I don't know potential points of conflict there?
2: Um, I think I think it's hard for the applicant because sort of they have to trust the people who are telling them what to do at the institutional level. And then the parents can't really be involved, so the parents have to have a lot of trust in what's going on and just hope that everybody has their child's best interest. And the problem is that a lot of, you know, institutional advising is they don't have enough time or resources to really pay attention and give individualized um, guidance to each person so that's why we need we need the family members and friends and mentors who really know the applicant to to help them out and help them understand their story so in response to annie i'd say that's kind of the truth about life in general is not exactly it? That we all need that we a lot of us don't have right it, and so need need you it. could call it marketing or you could call it like self-awareness and understanding who you are and what you want and being able to articulate that.
0: So so what are some of the advice, some of those steps that you, you guys prescribe in the book uh, to help people, you know, market themselves, in this case to a medical school, but it could be to anything, to getting a job, to exactly. living life.
1: Finding a partner, being a friend.
0: So
2: we we recommend that people start thinking about the different experiences they've chosen as little stories and practice telling those stories in three sentences is a a good place to start. And we like people to be able to reflect on how their faith and spirituality and cultural background um, have really made them who they are. so we all need to examine, why do we have the values that we have? Where did they come from? They didn't just appear. And so when you know that, then you can really talk about who you are with authenticity. Uh, let's see here. Another, another thing that we think is really important is to be able to talk about your strengths. And some people, you know, they're, they're humble. They, they don't know how to identify their strengths or what they're good at. And so a tool we like to use is the Top 5 Clifton Strengths Assessment. And I'm sure there are other assessments out there, but this, is, this discusses your professional strengths. And it's a really good place to be able to start to see the, how the strengths in your life really are the things that have motivated you to choose your different activities and make the contributions that you've made in the different work environments and educational environments that you've been in you know it occurs to me that what you're basically doing
1: is teaching a skill set of how to be Mm -hmm. a better communicator about your thoughts and ideas and and about relationships and it's one of the big issues i see today with uh people i don't know even people my age uh which is not young um Uh, there's a real challenge because people just don't seem to have either the attention span or the skill set to articulate accurately Mm -hmm. or effectively who they are and what they need they they scream like two-year-olds yeah
2: well i was thinking about you annie and jay and how i could use you as an example for you know when you look at the experiences and activities you've chosen they say something about who you are and so you you are both teachers and writers and so this tells me that you have leadership skills you are analytical and you're problem solvers and you both have a commitment to recognizing the potential in other people and then developing that potential.
0: Okay, well, Elise, I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you, but when we come back, I want you to continue to say great things about us. So, um, at least so, Jay, so start start to make some notes. But uh, I want to let everybody know so that many. yeah, you were you were listening to when the biomass hits the wind turbine with Jay and Annie the Great Warmkey, reminding you it is indeed the end of the world as we know it.
1: Oh, thank God.
0: Thank God. So, Elise, okay, um, you know, pile on the praise. Let's let's keep going. You know. So no, I'm, I'm just teasing, but, but what what no, you're saying? No,
1: he's not teasing
0: well, he likes it I, you know I, I think what you're saying there is is basically when you're coming into this process, you've got to you've got to do a lot of self-reflection and be able to communicate those things about yourself that make you an enticing prospect to uh, be awarded you know a limited space in this school is, yes. is that fairly yes, exactly fairly accurate. Mm -hmm.
1: I think you also need to develop a program that after they graduate from and become doctors that they have better ability to communicate things like death and dying and Mm -hmm. nutrition. I know you don't have any control (laughs) on that, but that could be another program. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I think that's a class in in like (laughs) Arrogance 101, you know, and then... (laughs) (laughs) Condescension, <laughs> two oh three. I mean, this is the you ignorance
1: know. of nutrition.
0: <laughs> things of that nature. Yes, and and billing, billing oh, department. Right, yeah. That's a four-year degree.
1: So. But one of the things I would like to point out, at least, is that when you tell me, you know, what you're doing and so forth, it, it really is being a life coach for this moment in this person's life, and. And it also is something that's really valuable as our culture needs this desperately, not, not, not about medical school, but about in general, the things that you're, Mm -hmm. you have in the book um, based on the, the information Mm -hmm. that I've seen. These are things, these are life skills that we need every day in order to be happier and be more resilient and passionate about what we do versus just photo doing.
0: So thank you. on you. Well, one Well, I was wondering, Elisa, have you run into any situations, you know, if you're going to be coaching somebody on how to present themselves, how to self-reflect about why they want to go into medical school, and they really do start looking at this and examining, do you have anybody who comes back and say, you know what, I I really don't want to go into medical school, you know, (laughs) now that I've thought about it. (laughs) Yeah,
2: that does happen. I mean, by the time they get to us, they're really – mostly prepared to apply so that means they've been volunteering in clinical settings and they've really been involved sort of in some type of medical care and service so a lot of them really do you know through all of that experience that has confirmed that this is the right path for them but certainly some people decide it isn't but we like them we like them to decide well, that for themselves so <laughs> When we talk about that in the little...
0: Yeah, you're gonna say, "Don't, don't do it, man! You'll
2: be a
1: really <laughs> bad doctor."
0: <laughs> well, I always think that that school, a lot of it is is. I mean, you're learning perhaps a profession, but you're also learning what you don't like. You know, I mean, that's that's as much going in, going to school, and saying, "You know what? I thought I liked this thing, but Definitely. I find out I don't. So, mm-hmm. so let's try mm-hmm. something different."
2: Yeah, and we think it's really important for them to embrace what they're passionate about and you know really follow their interests and it's not always medical related but it just i don't know it just shows that you have some type of like self-care that you can follow the things that interest you you know what i mean yeah i
1: i have seen people known people who were who are pressured though by their families to become doctors because their father and their grandfather or their grandmother, or whatever they were, doctors. And I wonder if there is a certain amount of pressure uh, on on uh, some of the people that you see that come to you mm-hmm. for your assistance.
2: I I have not had anyone talk to me about that pressure, but I'm sure it does exist. But I think I think it's such a hard road <laughs> that. You know, it would be easy to self-sabotage yourself if you really didn't want to go.
0: Well, I'm going to I'm going to jump you off the medical thing cuz I'm interested in what it means to be a garden designer cuz you were saying that's that's sort of your passion at this point <laughs> and you're you're moving from medical school to garden designing and and I want to know what that means. That
2: means that I can come and look at your garden and I can take in all of all of your ideas about what you want your environment, say it's your backyard, to be like, what, what do you want to get out of it? And how do you want to feel when you're back there? And then I can put that, I can make it a reality for you. <laughs> I'm sort of like helping people manifest their, you know, garden dreams um, and visual. I just am able to visualize how the space could look um, in, different, in a different way. And also, I've always been really interested in learning about plants. And so I just have a good idea of where different plants will thrive. So that's sort of how I'm integrating those, those skills together to design gardens. I see one of the
1: things that you cover in the book is how to build and use your social capital. And uh, it talks about networking and building authentic relationships. I wonder how that applies to being a garden coach um, is not is is it just that you go and look at the person's yard and do whatever, or do you make recommendations
2: about different products? Yeah, I think help them. Well, with I think as I'm doing? getting into this, I really need to build my network. So, I need to start building relationships with different um, contractors and landscapers in the area that that I, you know, these are will be people that I trust to make my designs a reality. So I'm going to be building those relationships, and I'll probably have products that I recommend as well.
0: Well, you know, you're going to have all of these uh, rich doctors that you know that you can start, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, tapping and saying, hey, man, I there know you you, I know you want to garden, but you don't even want to go outside because you're busy building people. So, so why don't I um, speaking, you had mentioned about landscapers. How is this different than, than like a landscape architect? I mean, it, it clearly, I think in your mind, Well, a, a landscape so is
2: architect that? is a degree and a degree and a certification. So I have not taken a four-year program in, you know, architecting landscapes. And that has a lot to do with sort of like hardscapes um, and, and the built environment. So Right now, my focus is more on like the planting side of things. And landscapers, you know, they're really good at, at weed whacking and, and mowing your lawn. But when it comes to putting a beautiful combination of plants together, I, I see there's a gap there.
1: <laughs> well, one thing that uh, strikes me about that is that you, you are well suited, especially if you even just follow anything that you've written in the book. But I think that's who you are naturally. And um, that brings me back to, the, to thinking about how, how these skill sets to communicate, whether it's about gardening and feeling good outside or getting into a specific school or a specific program, is that really it's a, it's a question of building resiliency. And I find it interesting that, that from the moment I've known you that you have followed this path of seeking out people that know something mm-hmm. you want to know. And I think, what do you think are the challenges of, of following mm-hmm. that path? The
2: path, what do you mean by that path?
1: Well, instead of saying, okay, I went to school and I'm an environmental scientist and that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. So, but you have a lot of things that you're interested in and you have a lot of skill sets um, uh, naturally in, from your <laughs> DNA and then also that you've learned. So, I'm just, yeah, I'm just wondering... You know that's very different than I'm going to go get a job and it's going to pay a certain amount of money mm-hmm. and I'm going to mm-hmm. you know come home at 5:30 every night and this is not what you're describing. That's true.
2: Well, I think you have to so so what you have to challenges? have a high risk tolerance because <laughs> you know it it feels <laughs> very nice to have a job that you can rely on and expect to get the same paycheck every two weeks and then come home to your cozy house and I have a cozy house right now and I'm really enjoying it. Um, But I, I guess it's my creativity that allows me to want to try out new things and be in new situations. And so there are risks involved, but uh, I've never felt like I was, failing or I was going to fail or I didn't have what I need and I think that just comes back to having a network to to rely on and having people around you that you that you trust and you know who are doing interested in the same sorts of things that you are so if I wanted to go to medical
1: school and I recognized that I couldn't figure out how to do that with a 100% guarantee that I was going to actually get in do you give a guarantee
2: that you'll get them into? We don't give a guarantee. Nope. Um, we can. We we want to set people up for success and tell them everything we know about, you know, how to have the best chance to get an interview. Um, but there's just so much work on their end that they have to commit to throughout the cycle, you know, to make it work.
1: Mm -hmm. So if I wanted to utilize your services, what would be the first step?
2: The first step would be to going to our website, premedadvisor.com, and you can schedule a complimentary advising session where we get to know each other and we'll tell you about our advising program to see if it's a good fit. And in terms of garden design, my website will be leafandlilygardendesign.com. And it is not yet live, but it will be soon.
0: And you don't want to mix those two (laughs) up, right?
1: Maybe you do (laughs) if you decide you don't want to go to medical school.
0: (laughs) You'll probably be happier. I don't
2: don't know. I I just want to say, Annie and Jay, that you've taught me so much about networking and finding common ground with other people. And I know that's just the way you live your life. And now I do too. And I'm... I'm so grateful for that lesson I learned from you. Well, oh, you're you're, in, you're inspiring just, just by breathing. So thank you for the
1: compliment.
0: <laughs> All right. Well well, with that mutual admiration out of the way, uh, you've been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. We wanna thank the wonderful and wondrous Elise Parishon uh, for joining us today. And we wanna thank our always skillful producer Adam Rich. And we want to thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, secret to a happy and sustainable life is
1: play nice with others, and then just for giggles, uh, buy the family guide to medical school admissions.
0: And then book. go then go plant a garden. <laughs> Elise right. will help you out. All That's right. right. Until <laughs> next time. Bye-bye.